Welcome to the C12 Podcast. My name is Matt, and today we have Yona continuing our series called I Quit. And this week we'll be talking about how to quit living in fear. We hope you are encouraged and guided by today's message. What is up, everybody? Woo! I love the enthusiasm. How are y'all doing tonight? I love you, Paul. Hey, hopefully you got to meet a couple of people um, on this extended degree. It was awesome. Um, why don't you go ahead and try to find a seat. We're going to get started here tonight. Um, like um, Alex was saying, we're on a series called I Quit. Right? Usually we don't tell you guys to quit stuff, but in this series, we're encouraging it. Right? Um, if, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Yona. I'm one of the worship, uh, worship pastors here at 12 Stone. What's up? Man, you all are so friendly. I love that. Um, but yeah. Like, like Alex was saying, hey, if it's your first time here, we're glad. I just want to like, kind of repeat what he said. Like, I'm so glad that you're here tonight. And I just want to tell you, if it's your first time here, like, don't look at this as a coincidence. Like, I, how many of you guys agree with me? Like, I don't believe in coincidences, right? Like, I think everything happens for a reason, especially in um, God's will. So if you're here tonight, I believe it's because God wants you to be here tonight, and he has a word for you tonight. Like, God wants to speak to you guys tonight, okay? And if you've been here for a long time, and you believe that, why don't you encourage a first-time guest and say, you, you agree with that. Come on. Say, hey, we're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. And like I said, if it's, your, if it's you know, your 10th, 20th, whatever, 100th time that you come to C12, um, I believe also God has a word for you tonight. And I, I don't know about you, but sometimes church can become routine. You know what I mean? Like if, if you've been coming for a couple of Thursdays, um, you might have gone into what I call like routine Thursday or routine Sunday, like you kind of get in, you meet a couple of people, you maybe have some coffee, um, you all get together and you go inside and you worship to some, through some songs and you hear a teaching, you know, maybe you like uh, grab something that really like touched your heart and you write it down, you're like, oh, this is great. And then, and then you know, I go home, Friday happens, Saturday happens, Sunday happens, what comes after Sunday? Monday. Monday. <laughs> and then it happens all over again, the next Thursday you come back and it's like, yeah, let's just do it again. There's nothing bad in in, in routine, I think God works in routine, in rhythms, right? Day, night, seasons, you know, years. But um, sometimes we can kind of disengage a little bit if we see things as just another Thursday, right? So, like I was just saying, we've been trying to be a little bit more interactive. I, I think and I believe that the best way for you to r- remember that, hey, today you have a divine appointment with God and God wants to speak to your life. You guys, you guys believe that tonight? You believe that? And so I think the enemy wants to distract you tonight, every time we come in places like these, right, and God wants to speak to your life, the enemy is going to try to do anything to distract you, take your focus away. Maybe, um, I don't know if you've, I've done this before, like you go, man, I've, I've heard that before, I've heard that teaching before, right? You kind of brush it off, but what if God really wants to um, have you dig a little deeper, right, and, and show you some things today that um, are going to be life-changing, honestly. God's word changes lives, Amen. So that's the way I see it. I hope you see it too. So I'm going to like ask you guys to, if you want to hear from, from the Lord tonight, I don't want to just talk into an empty room, right? Like I want us to engage. So if you hear something, we say it all the time, if you hear something you agree with, say amen. Say yes. Say, come on. I don't know. Encourage. <laughs> encourage. Like that way I know that you're like, you're, you're in it, right? I mean, if you brought a notebook, man, take it out. Write some notes, right? If you have your phone with you, take your uh, notes app out or Evernote or whatever you use and take it out and write some stuff down because we're actually going to do a couple exercises today. So you are going to need your phone or a notepad or something. So if you don't have that really, really available, go ahead and um, take that out. Um, 
But listen, we've been in this I quit series, okay? Let's jump right into it. Today we're going to talk about fear. I quit living in fear. Say that with me. I quit living in fear. First week was I quit making excuses. Last week was I quit giving up. And today we're going to talk a little bit about um, giving, excuse me, quitting living in fear, okay? So listen, if you're like most people, you've probably battled with some fears in your life, right? Like, that's a very common experience in, in the human history. Like, we all have fears. We all have things that we deal with that we're afraid of. In fact, some studies show that as babies, you're born actually with two, like, basic fears. Anybody want to guess on what those are? Oh, close. You learned those later. But you, you are born with two basic fears, the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. Those are the, the basic fears that you um, grow up excuse me, are born with, okay? And then as you grow up, you start kind of learning new fears. Like you said, like you start acquiring, sort of accumulating new fears, and you start to realize, I don't really like the dark, right? Like, so let's, I want, I want, to, I want you guys to interact with me a little bit, okay? Red or black, which one do I use? Red. All right, red. Here are my people. Go Falcons. Yeah. Woo! All right, so hey, <laughs> so there's one. Um, as a kid, I was afraid of the dark, right? Okay, something else. Shout out to me. What, what else were you afraid of as a kid? Spiders. As, just as a kid or still? Y'all, I have a story about I ran into a spider web once cut in the yard. It was, it was terrible. I screamed so loud and like the squeakiest, like, anyways, it was terrible. I'm, I'm so glad nobody recorded me. Um, ah, I remember. Okay, thunderstorms. Somebody said thunderstorms? I'm just going to put thunder. I have an eight-year-old son and a five-year-old daughter, and whenever there's thunderstorms, she comes running to my room, and she just wants to get in the bed with me, and, like, I'm scared of thunder. Like, what is thunder going to do to you? Like, just go back to your bed. Like, it, every time there's a thunderstorm, I know I'm going to have a bad night's sleep. Like, I know. She, she's like an octopus when she's sleeping with me. She's, you know, moving everywhere, and I, I can't sleep. So I, I'm, a, I'm also afraid of thunderstorms, but for the different reasons, because my daughter comes to my bed. Um, all right. A couple more. Whoa! We're jumping into the deep end right now. I'm you were afraid of commitment as like a five-year-old? <laughs> I don't know how to write commitment. Two T's, one, I don't know. Commit. Man. I can always say English is my second language, so whatever. Yeah. Ooh, balloons. Clowns, anybody? All right, a few more, a few more. Dentist. What? Dentist. What is that? Dentist. Dentist. Amen. Ugh. Amen. I'm reminded I have to go to the dentist. Okay. Being run over? Like by a car? Run, ran. Okay, that's the one, that's the one. Shout it. Deep water. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Hey, I, I identify with a lot of those. Lake Lanier specifically. <laughs> I love that. Hey, listen, when I was a kid, I had a, a really strange fear. So I'm from Venezuela, South America. Woo! Yeah, okay, good. Uh, and I don't know about where you're from, but where I'm from, for whatever reason, as kids, they're always telling us, like, scary stories. Like about witches and 
more witches. <laughs> That's basically what they talked to us about when I was a kid. Um, there's a lot of witchcraft in Venezuela, so we're always like scared of like evil spirits. Um, La Llorona, anyone? Like, yeah. Um, el Chupacabra. <laughs> el Coco, el Cucuy, or what you Americans call a boogeyman, right? Um, but listen, I remember one time like before bedtime, my cousins like were over at my house and we're talking and I don't, like, they, I don't know where they came up with this. I don't know if it's like a tale that's telling Venezuela or they just made it up. I think they just made it up. But they basically like, they're all older than me. I'm the youngest one, probably like six, seven years old. And they're like, listen, you know, like, there are witches in our town that fly on brooms <laughs> all night long looking for little boys to abduct. And I was like, what? <laughs> and it gets crazier. I kid you not, this actually happened. My cousin told me, you know, they park their broom <laughs> on your roof. And I, in Venezuela, we have like 10 roofs, you know what I mean? And then she's like, and they find a hole on the roof, and with their tongue, they go all the way down, I'm serious, to your belly button and suck your soul out through your belly button. And then, and then, they, tell, and then they tell me, the only way that you can stop it from happening is if you cover your belly button <laughs> during the night. And I remember like, I don't know, one, two, three in the morning, everyone's like dead asleep and I'm just like, <laughs> I'm literally just laying in bed with my eyes wide open. Like any noise outside is a witch, you know? Any brain that moves, I'm like, oh, the witch is on my roof. I suck my soul out. And it's terrible. And I'm, I, I, that was the fear that I had as a kid, right? Like completely irrational, right? Like a witch sucking on my soul through my belly button. But like, I pressed my belly button so, so hard. I was like, you're not getting me tonight, witch. You know? <laughs> Completely irrational. Do you still sleep like that? Yeah. <laughs> no, I sleep, uh, I find a new way, you know? <laughs> Upside, what do you call that? Head <laughs> on my stomach, yeah. <laughs> Boca abajo, that's what I say. <laughs> Sorry, I have to translate in my head all the time. Um, anyways, so that's like a, you know, completely irrational fear, which is different than like a rational fear that kids in America have. Like, for example, my son had a phase in his childhood where literally, guys, he couldn't go to sleep if the closet door wasn't shut all the way. Like, I don't know what it is about it. He literally was like, da, 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 da. Like, what? What, Liam? The door. Like, what? Dude, just leave it. It's like cracked open, Dad. You have to close it all the way. And in my mind, I'm like, what? Why? Like, if it's closed all the way, then whatever, like, thing or whoever's in there can't get out and he's safe. But if it's cracked open, right, then whatever's in there will, like, come out at night. And so, like, he, in order for him to be safe, he has to be closed all the way. Like, that's a completely rational, rational fear, right? Like, it's crazy. But it's the truth is, like, man, we grew up with all kinds of fears. And as we grow up, we start learning all these new fears, right? Um, so I want to talk to you guys a little, a little bit before we get started, right, about four of life's most common fears. So what I'm going to do is, you're going to help me do this. I'm going to do a quadrant. I've never done this before. I feel cool. I feel like Paul Neiman. <laughs> Nothing? Okay. All right. I'm going to give you each one. And what I want you to do, I told you guys to take your notes out, right? So go ahead and take your phone out. And we're going to write these four of the four, what is, how do I say? Of life's most common fears, okay? Why don't we write the first one? First one is fear of loss. Write that down with me. Fear of loss. Okay? And we're going to do a little bit more shouting, okay? What do you think that you, you're, you could be afraid of losing or someone could be afraid of losing? Your family. 
your friends. What else? What? Your ex? Most people would be glad to lose their ex, but what did you say? Your I think I heard pets. Either pets or meds. Um, all right, a couple more. Your job, yeah. Anything else come to mind? Yeah, fam, mom, mom, dad, house. Okay. Yeah, your life. We're getting a little more serious. How about control? Losing control. All right. So, if you wrote the word fear of loss down, and if you identify with any of these, like, how many of you guys would say at some point in your life you fear losing something important of value to you, right? All right, go ahead and write that thing down wherever it is that you're, maybe it's one of these, maybe it's one that we didn't fill out, maybe it's one that you didn't want to say out loud, right? But that's, those are great examples. People go through life, like, literally worrying all the time and using their imagination. Like, I don't know if that happens to you sometimes. I'm, like, driving, and I imagine, like, the worst car accident ever. Like, why? Like, I'm, I'm worried. I'm fearful. And some people are trapped by that, right? That's one of life's most common fear. Another one, fear of failure. That's a big one. Fear of failure. Write that down, all right? Okay, what are some things that you would say um, you would be afraid to fail at? Relationships. I heard college. Y'all, literally, my wife started going to college four years ago. She's about to graduate. Praise the Lord. Um, and she didn't do well in, in high school. Like, she, had, she hung out with the wrong crowd. She um, was just like, didn't like school and never has liked school. And I was like, babe, like, listen, like, you're a different person now. You're an adult. Like, you, she, she wants to go back to nursing school, but, but she wouldn't, like, do it. And I had to sort of pump her up and be like, you can do this. You got this. She was afraid of starting and not being able to finish. And right now she's six months away from getting her um, RN. So I'm, I'm so excited. Um, so college, all right? What else? Fear of failing your parents. Wow. Anything else? Fear of failing at your calling. Fear of failing God. Or your... Fear of feeling your mentor. That's, that's one for like people you look up to, right? Your boss, yep. Maybe, maybe you have a calling, like maybe you have an idea of like a business you want to start someday, a dream that you have, right? You want to make an impact in the world. You want to make a difference. You feel like I want you to do something like important, and you have all these ideas in your head, but you're like you never get started. It'll just live up here because you fear, you, you fear starting and failing at it, right? Um, those are good. Those are good. So, hey, how many of you guys would say at some point in your life you feared failing at something, right? Like, that was me in high school. I didn't try out for a lot of teams because I feared like I was going to fail. And I carried that in my, into my adulthood. All right, another fear. Fear of rejection. Write it down. Fear of rejection. One of life's most common fears. Fear of rejection. Okay. What do you think you could be afraid of being rejected at? Opportunities. I'm just going to put op. Dream job. Applying and getting, getting a big no. What else can you get a big no from? Guys? Yeah, come on. 
You ask a girl out, she's like, uh -huh, I don't think so. Um. <laughs> Never happened to me, I don't know. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, anything else? What's that? Being rejected by your family? Okay. How about just people in general? Like, listen, that's a big one for me. I have lived most of my life with this desire just to please people. Like, I don't know if, that, if that's you, but I've literally, like, almost, as long as I can remember, almost all the decisions I would make were somehow tied to how others viewed me. From, like, what I would wear to how I would speak. You guys have no idea how much I worked on my American accent. <laughs> literally, y'all. Uh, like, I would sit down and practice words so I could sound American because I was afraid of, like, I don't know, being labeled or something or being seen as different or weird. Like, I was, like, the way I talked, the way I, some, a lot of you guys are like that. Like, you don't go out of the house until you, you know, like, will my, will my friends like this outfit? Will I look good in this picture? Uh, my meal needs to be, like, perfectly aligned. Like, if the chicken is too, you know, crooked, then, like, people want to get as many likes as, you know, <laughs> like, whatever it is. Like, people pleasing is a real thing, right? And so, hey, people, dream, being rejected in, in your dream job, opportunities, asking a girl, a family, all that stuff. How many of you guys would say, that at one point or another, you feared some sort of rejection, yeah? Okay, write those down as well. Last one, okay? Last one, it's a big one. Fear of the, man, this marker is terrible. <clears throat> Fear, now it's in red, <laughs> of the unknown. Into the unknown. Sorry, I have kids. That's, that's not, I don't know if I wrote that wrong. This one's a big one. This was a really big one. Fear of the unknown. I'll give you an example. I sometimes obsess. And um, Cameron actually gave me a quote earlier today. It was incredible. You, you mind saying that out loud? Like, what, what was it again? The, the fear is a... Oh, fear is a terrible... Or worry. Yes, of imagination. Worry is a tragic use of our imagination. Isn't that crazy? When you worry about things, like that, he said that I'm like, oh, that's good. I didn't write it down because I didn't have time, but like, I have to share that with you guys. Because you imagine worst case scenarios all the time if you're living in the fear of the unknown. Like, what if I get sick and get some like terminal illness? Like, what if I never get married? Like, what if I get married and I marry a jerk? Or what if I get married and I can't have kids? You know? Anything else that comes to your mind? Fear of the unknown. <laughs> You're good. You're good. Yeah. Doubting after. Yeah, do oh my gosh, that's a big one. Afterlife. I mean, we're in church after all, right? Like I've been there before. Like, what if all this? Like, what if it's not true? I mean, it's called faith for a reason, right? Like, you can't prove it, but like you believe that it's true. I could, I could put death in general, but, okay, marriage. This is another one, too, that I'm like, what if I, what if I miss uh, my calling and I, I run into this idea of, hold on, kids. Like, I, I don't know what my future holds, right? 
Like, I don't know if, if God wants me to choose this career, choose this path, choose this person. It's all very real stuff. Man, this is great. This is really, really good. All right? Well, let's keep going. Because, hey, real, real quick. So, we didn't raise our hands for this one, but how many of you guys have, at some, sort, at some point of your life, had a fear of the unknown? Like, okay? Now, put your hands down. How many of you guys raise your hands for all four? Like, all four of these. Like, me too. Okay? Listen. Because a lot of us battle with this, these different kinds of fear. We go through life sometimes living, living afraid. Like, we let these fears consume us to the point where they paralyze us, right? But I want you to see, I want to talk a little bit about these fears and more. You can fill in the blank, right? But because we, we've recognized these and we've seen that they're real in our lives, and sometimes they can affect the way we think, the way we process, the way we make decisions, the way that we view the world, the way that we view ourselves, the way that we view God. I mean, it just, it can encompass so many things, right? And... If we choose to focus on what the fear does to us, we can sometimes miss out on life. It's a terrible tragedy. So I think it's really good for us to look at these fears in the light of God's word, because that's why we're here, right? If you're here, hopefully you, you, you believe this. If not, I want to share with you what I believe. I believe that God's word transforms lives. Like God's word is the everlasting truth, and if you go to it, you can find the source of life, right? And so I don't want to get up here and talk to you about my opinions about fears. I don't want to talk to you about what I think you should do with your fears. How do, you, how do I become a better person in three points? Like, that's not what we're here for. We're here to, like, look at God's word and say, God, what do you say about fears? What do you say about how I should live? What do you, your word tell me? Because that's how God speaks, right? God speaks to us through his word. So if you have a Bible, open it up. If not, you can, we can read it together here. I want to read 2 Timothy 1.7. 2 Timothy 1.7 is, it's, it's such a key verse. I learned as a little kid. If you haven't learned it, man, memorize this verse because it's going to transform the way that you think. It's a truth that sets you free, right? It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Listen to that. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Basically, what's it saying? Fear is not from God. Fear is not from God. You have to know that, believe that. Whenever you feel fear, you have to realize, man, this is not from the Lord. This is not the way God designed my life to be. I wasn't designed to be trapped in fear. I wasn't designed to be paralyzed by fear. God didn't make me this way. If I'm living afraid, I need to, first of all, recognize fear is not from God, right? God's all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present, and he has not given us the spirit of fear. That's why we got to say Exactly what this, this uh, series is titled. You got to say, I quit living in fear. You got to make a decision and say, I quit living in fear. I say that, and I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit and through his word, you can say the same thing tonight. That you can walk out of here tonight, and you can make a decision and say, I'm going to quit living in fear. Because this is not the way God designed it for me to be, for me to live. And I don't know if you've heard this before, but I've heard sometimes people say that fear is the opposite of faith. Have you heard that before? Anybody? Like, I've heard, oh, fear is just, you know, the opposite of faith. I actually kind of disagree with that. Like, I think that fear is faith just placed in the wrong thing. It's placed in the wrong things. I think that fear is placed in the what-ifs. Faith placed in the what-ifs. What if bad things happen to me, right? Have you noticed most people start the day off like that? Like, what if something bad happens today? Not a lot of people say, what if something great happens today? Except if you're playing the lottery, then that's probably like, you know, I, for a second I'm like, what if I actually win? <laughs> and I'm like, this would be amazing. What would I do with $500 million? And, you know, I waste whatever, five bucks 
Don't do it, guys. Bad investment, okay? But <laughs> side note. Um, but literally, like, people spend their lives thinking, what if something bad happens, right? And they're after afraid of what happens um, in their life. And so they're placing their faith in, in what ifs. And listen, I want to talk to you about someone in the Bible that actually responded to God's call and to God's presence and to God's direction, not with a yes, but with a what if. And his name is Moses, okay? Moses lived thousands of years ago. He, long story short, his people were slaves in Egypt, okay? And he kind of ran away from it, bad situation, legal action and everything. <laughs> he ran away from, from the king. He was in some other land, and God was trying to catch his, his attention. And he, he wanted to choose Moses to go back to Egypt and deliver his people out of slavery. So what does God do? He decides to show up in a burning bush, right? He's walk, Moses is walking around, and he sees this burning bush, and it's literally in flames, but it's not being consumed. Like, it's still green. It's a weird thing. And out of this bush, like, God starts, like, the voice of God kind of appears to, to Moses. Like, I don't know about you, but if I was walking around, and there was a big bush, like, talking to me that was on fire, I'd be freaked out, you know? I'm like, what, what did I eat this morning? <laughs> um, but if you did it, like, if you did it, then you'd be like, you know what, like, Maybe this is God talking to me. And God literally, like, is telling Moses in the most creative way, the most supernatural way, I have an assignment for you. I have a dream for you. I'm going to use you to deliver my people, and I want you to go. And, like, man, if God talked to me that way, I'd be like, yeah. Oh, my goodness. This God is with me. I'm down. Let's do it. But that wasn't Moses' response. His response, we see it play out in Exodus 4.1. Okay, he played the what if game. He says, Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say that the Lord did not appear to you? Like God's going to be with him, yet he's playing the game most of us play, which is the what if game, the I'm afraid game, the I'm fearful game. Like I believe that maybe some of you guys have received a word of God. Maybe you wouldn't like label it as like God spoke to me in a burning bush, but maybe you have a desire to make a difference in the world. Maybe you have a desire, a dream, a goal, a calling, and God wants to use you to impact the world, to impact your your workplace, to impact your school, to impact your family. Man, God can use you in mighty ways, and he's constantly calling out to you, right? Maybe some of you are saying, but you know, what if like, what if this isn't like God's plan for me? Like what if I try something new and it doesn't work out? Like, what if I open up a small group and nobody comes? What if I do a 12th at home and, like, I, like, people come but they don't like me? Like, what if I, uh, I'm called to the worship team and, but I try out and they, they reject me? Like, what, and, and the what if game is just, like, God's, like, calling you to do this thing. And you're like, yeah, but, you know, what if, like, you know, things don't work out the way that I wanted them to work out? Like, we play that game all the time. So, listen, if you haven't written it down yet, write it down. I don't think we have a side for it. But I want you to, like, like put this in your brain. Fear is placing faith in the what-ifs. Fear is placing faith in the what-ifs. So listen, this is where it gets, I think, good. At least for me it was when I was going through it. It's like I feel like God really spoke to me. Because I want to pause for a moment and ask a really important question, okay? Why do your what-ifs matter? Like think about that. Like why do my what-ifs matter? So I want to show you guys two thoughts that I genuinely believe can be super life-changing. They're going to give you so much insight on how to navigate fear. It's important for all of us to know this, okay? The first thought is this. 
Your what ifs matter because what you fear reveals what you value the most. Let me say that again. What you fear reveals what you value the most. I'll give you a personal example, right? I experienced death in my family um, last year. My dad passed away of cancer. He battled it for a whole year. We prayed for God's healing. We prayed, we prayed, we prayed. We asked God to move. Um, he ended up, God healed him um, by t- bringing him up to his presence, right? And we, we were sad, but we also rejoiced as he was with Jesus, and we're going to see him again. But after that, kinda, I kind of got scarred a little bit because I was like, man, like, what if I lose my wife? Like, what if I lose my kids? What if I lose my family? What like, what if, you know, I, I kind of experienced a couple of other, like, tragic deaths around me with friends. And it was just, it was just a hard season, to be honest. It was a hard season. And I didn't realize this, but fear filled my heart. And I was literally afraid all the time that I would lose my wife. And that revealed what was most valuable to me. I value my marriage. I value my wife. So it's not a bad thing, right, to value something. What you, re- what you reveal... I mean, excuse me, what you fear reveals what you value the most. Like, if you fear losing your job, right, or losing your money, you value financial security. And that's not a bad thing, right? Like, all these things that you're afraid of, they're, they're giving you insight on things that you value, okay? So that's a good thing to notice. But also, the second thing that you want to take a note of is this. What you fear reveals where you trust God the least. Mmm. That one stings, right? That one stings. Because if I'm fearful... All the time that I'm going to lose my wife somehow in some tragic accident. Like, I don't trust God for the protection of my family. Like, I value my family, but because I'm worrying about it and stressing about it and fearful about it, it's revealing that I don't trust God with their protection. If I am fearful of losing my job, can't pay my bills, my fa- I can't feed my family, like, like, I value financial security, but I'm also, it's revealing that I'm not trusting God to be my provider. Does that make sense? And so, like, look at the things that you wrote down, Right? The things that, what ifs that you're asking yourself in your life. And you start to realize, man, this is actually giving me some really good insight. And it's telling me what I value the most and where I trust God the least. And now we got something working, right? Now we can, now we can, we can get moving, right? So I want you to write this down, right? Because this is what's going like, to lead us to the next few minutes. I want you to write down, I'm not trusting God with, and fill in the blank. I'm going to give you 30 seconds, okay, maybe a minute. Close your eyes, pray if you need to. If you already have an answer, write it down. Check out your phone, text it to yourself, I don't know. You got a pen from a chair in front of you or something, put it in your hand. I'm not trusting God with. Or or answer it in your heart. Like ask him to search your heart. God, what am I not trusting you with? And own your fear and write it down. Listen. I'll give you that that few more seconds. So years ago, um, I was at a at a church where some of you guys in the room actually were at church with me, but um, I was in a really really long season there. Like I, I. found the Lord there, I got baptized there, I like, I received my calling there, my family was there, like, my ministry calling was there, like, all this, like, it was a great place to be. I was there for about 15 years, literally. I started volunteering there, 
Then I started like working there, and, and it, was, it was just an incredible position. Um, but something started happening to me, like maybe around five years ago, and I started feeling like when I was praying, I feel like God was telling me, like, okay, your time here is done. And it was subtle. It was just an emotion. I was like, oh, that's weird. Like, brush that aside, right? And then every time I prayed, every time I talked to somebody, like, just, you know how it is when God wants to talk to you, get your attention? Like, there's a video here. There's a comment there. There's like, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I, I love Jeeps. And when I'm running down, driving down the road, I see them all the time. Like, I just see Jeeps, like, everywhere. Because God knows I want a Jeep. And so, like, your attention is drawn to that, right? Um, you, don't, you don't, like, uh, agree? Okay, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's fine. It's fine. If you don't like Jeeps, man, we got a conversation to talk about. But good. Whoever's that? Yeah. Um, but I felt like God was trying to catch my attention a lot. He was talking to me in different ways. And, like, it came to the point where, like, I could not deny it. And so I told myself in prayer, I said, you know what, I'm going to have a conversation with my pastor, right? I'm going to sit down with him and I'll talk to him about what I'm feeling. Y'all, I was terrified. I was like, what if he thinks I'm mad at him? Like, what if, like, they think I'm being unfaithful to God and not following my call? Like, what if, you know, all these things, like, what, if, what if they think I'm, like, trying to chase a, a different job that pays me more money? Like, what if they think I don't like them? Like, all this stuff was, like, going through my head. Literally, I just said, nope, not doing that. <laughs> like, I was about to, like, have a meeting with him, and I was like, you know what, I'm not going to do it. I spent a year paralyzed. I didn't move. I just said, I'm not talking about it. I don't know if I heard God correctly. Y'all, to say things got bad pretty quickly is, is, is an understatement. Like, I just started having issues left and right. I feel like God was, like, trying to make me uncomfortable. Like, he was telling me to do something, and because of fear... It's not like I disobeyed and went to, like, Nineveh. Like, I just didn't move. I just didn't do anything. I was like, no, I'm afraid of what they're going to think. I'm afraid. No, I'm good. And I stopped. And so, literally, my fear can be paralyzed for another year. So I decided to do nothing. I don't know, like, about you, but it reveals, like, in that moment, looking back, it reveals, like, if I'm asking what if about this all the time, it reveals that I valued following God's voice and God's will, right? But I didn't trust him to fulfill his will in my life, you know? I wasn't trusting him to do it. So I was like, you know what? I think you're calling me somewhere else, but, like, I'm going to, like, hang, hang tight and just, like, try to find something on my own. Because, y'all, literally, I felt the Lord speak to me with the scripture of Abraham when God tells Abraham, leave your people and your land to a land that I will show you. He didn't say to Abraham, here's the plan of the next five years, the ten-year plan, the three-month. Like, he, didn't, he just said, hey, I need you to leave this place. And Abraham was like, where? I'll show you later. Say, uh, okay, what did Abraham do? He's like, okay, he stood up, he left, he took all those people. I felt like God was using that scripture for me. And I was like, but God, like, you know, let's talk about this. <laughs> like, where, like, where are you going to take me? Like, that would be great. Like, I have a family, I have kids, I have bills. Like, I can't just be like, hey, I'm out. You know, God talked God talk to me. Like, that's usually responsible. And, and, and the what ifs of that part were, man, what if I don't find a job? What if I didn't hear God correctly? Like, what if I can't pay my bills and my family's not on the streets? What if I lose my house? Like, you know, I just started unraveling, so I decided not to do anything about it. So I want to ask you a question like that. Like, hey, listen, what area of your life are you not trusting God? Like, look at that little paper and say, I'm not trusting God with where you wrote it down. And so here's what I want, you, I want to do in the remainder of our time, okay? I want to talk about this biblically, all right? Because it's good to know what our fears are. It's good to know what they reveal. But how do you actually overcome them? How do you face the fears in your life? Like if you have ever been paralyzed, 
And I genuinely believe, guys, I'm talking to somebody in here. Like somebody in here is facing a decision. Somebody in here is facing an unknown, right, or an offer or an opportunity. And you are paralyzed by fear or have been in the past. Maybe you know somebody who is. And how do you overcome that? So I want to finish with these two thoughts, okay? And I know it's a little quick, but it helped me tremendously, especially like, man, I was praying today and God, like, I was talking to Cam earlier, like, man, today when I was praying, I felt God, I felt God was really speaking to me and going like, hey, I don't want you just to talk about this. I want to like dig deep into some stuff that was going on in you. Like, like the people pleasing thing, let's deal with that. Let's talk about that, right? And so I want to I do that. Like, maybe not in front of you guys, but I want you, I want to encourage you to do that as well. Okay. So two thoughts on how to face the what-ifs of fear. Okay, here we go. I want to give you a little bit of context, okay? David, King David. Anybody heard of King David? Yes? All right. So King David, before he was king, there was another king named King Saul. And God had anointed, which meant he had chosen King David to replace King Saul, even though he wasn't part of his, like, lineage, right? He anointed him through a prophet. And, man, King Saul had it against David. Like, he wanted to kill him. Obviously, if you're a king and you know somebody else is going to be the king <laughs> instead of you, like, I don't know about you, but I would, I would get pretty pissed. So um, he literally, like, got the entire army of his nation and said, I want you to go get David for me, bring him back, dead or alive. And so David is running for his life. And I want you to imagine this. Like, imagine if you, for whatever reason, were wanted by the president of the United States, right? Or if you're in another country like some, some tyrant or some monarch or whatever. Like you, just, just think about that in that. What if the president said like, hey, I want, I'm going to send the FBI, SWAT, uh, the Navy, the Army, National Guard, like oh, name, name them all, right? I'm going to send them to go and get you. That's what David was feeling. Like the entire force of a nation was after David. And I want to highlight something that he said, okay? Um, because I think the best, this is amazing what he did. First thought is acknowledge your fear and choose to trust God, okay? This is how we face the what ifs of fear. And I know it sounds like superficial. It sounds a little bit cliche, a little bit like I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where like you share something really like deeply troubling with somebody that's really bothering you or like a decision you're about to make um, and all their responses like, well, you know what, like just trust God. Like, hey, have you thought about praying, you know? You're like, you're gonna pray? Like, <laughs> the SpongeBob, like, meme, you know? Like, uh, I love that meme. <laughs> but sometimes it sounds like a cop out answer. Like, hey, if you're, if you're afraid, just trust God. This is not what we're talking about here, okay? Because I want you to, like, internalize what David was going through, okay? He literally acknowledged his fear and he chose to trust God. Look at what he said um, in, in, we're gonna get a glimpse of into what, where he was living. In Psalm 56, 2 to 4, he says, My adversaries pursue me all day long. In their pride, many are attacking me. When I am afraid, there's his acknowledgement, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, and I'm not afraid, what can mere mortals do to me? Wow. I don't know about you, man, but like, He's asking a pretty serious question. It's like, bro, you, you realize the army is after you, right? Like, what can mere mortals do to you? Like, they have swords. They could, like, stab you. Like, 
They could, I don't know, capture you, torture you, pull out your teeth one by one. <laughs> I don't know why I laughed at that. It was terrible. Like, but like, how is he saying this in this moment? How is he like, you know what? I'm afraid. I could get captured and tortured, but like, what can mere mortal men, what can mere mortals do to me? So this is the truth I found in this one. It's like, listen, you can't always fix your situation, but you can always fix your focus. Like, you literally can be in a situation, and there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do to change it. Sometimes you even can't change the fact that you're afraid of it, right? But what you can do is do what David did. Acknowledge your fear, choose to trust God, and that looks like fixing my focus on not the what ifs, what if they get me, what if this doesn't happen, what if yada, 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 but fixing my attention on the things that I know to be true of God. Not in my worrisome imagination about things that haven't even happened yet that I'm worried about and I'm letting them consume me, but about the things I know to be true about God, right? David chose to do that. He chose to fix his attention on the eternal. Because what he's saying is, what can mere mortal men do to me? He literally went down the path of going, okay, let's walk this down, God. Like, what if they get me? And then he's probably like, I don't know. They'll probably capture me, okay? And God's like, and then? And then they'll probably torture me, okay? And then, I don't know, take my family and my clothes, like, okay? And then, like, Lord, I'll be, like, distraught. I'll be, like, just, I don't know, like, that's the worst-case scenario. Like, what if I die? That's the worst-case scenario, right? It's like, okay, if you die, like, you're, you're going to come up and be with me, you know? Like, do you think what they did had any effect on your eternal life? Like, the perspective of eternity is like, if the worst thing happened, like, I think David was thinking about that. He literally, the only way you can say that is if you go down to the worst-case scenario. And he still chose to fix his focus on the eternal. That's mind-blowing to me. I don't know about you, but it's mind-blowing to me. So if he acknowledges fear and he chose to trust God, like, in that situation, like, I, I think of mine, I'm like, well, you know, <laughs> like, I guess I can choose to trust God. Like, David chose to trust God. Like, I'm not being chased by the army of an entire nation, right? But my fears are still real. And so listen to this. John Wesley, who is the, basically the founder of, I don't know if you say the founder, but, um, yeah, the founder of like the Methodist movement, Methodist churches. We, I don't know if you guys knew this, but we're like part of a Wesleyan church, Wesleyan denomination. Listen to what he said, which blew my mind when I read it. I had to read it a couple times. I've never known more than 15 minutes of anxiety or fear. It's like, okay. Whenever I feel fearful emotions overtaking me, I just close my eyes and thank God that he's still on the throne, reigning over everything. And I take comfort in his control over all the affairs of my life. Guys, God is in control. God is on the throne. There's a truth about eternity that nothing that man can do, nothing that your worst fears coming true can shake is the fact that God is the throne. It's on the throne. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. Like, I know we say that. Like, we, we can acknowledge that, but sometimes internalizing it in, in our minds and in our hearts is really hard. I don't know if you've ever tried it, but it's like it brings actually a, a comfort to your soul. As you're like, man, when I start to think of worst-case scenarios, I'm fixing my attention on my problems that I probably can't fix right there. But if I decide to 
fix my attention on the truth of who God is, then my perspective is changing, right? Then God gives me courage to believe that what he says about me is true. Listen to this Bible verse in Lamentations 3.21. It's not on the screen, but I want you to, I want you to, to hear it. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The writer's saying, this I call to mind. That means it wasn't there, right? It wasn't in, on his mind. He called it up to remembrance. And therefore, I have hope. Like, it's not some cliche thing that we're telling you, like, hey, when you're afraid, trust God. Like, no, like, you have an actual action step to take. You can say, when I'm afraid, just like John Wesley, I can close my eyes and I can recall the goodness of God. I can call to mind his faithfulness. It's an active exercise that if you haven't done before, then you're missing out on a big deal that God has for you. Like, it, you call it to your mind, and therefore, I have hope. Listen to what else he says. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Listen to his words. I call to mind, and therefore, I have hope. That's incredible. That's what it looks like to choose to trust God, to fix your attention on him. So listen, I want to I challenge you guys, okay? Acknowledge your fear. Choose to trust God. And don't let fear paralyze you by giving it the attention that it wants. Fix your attention on God's truth. Listen to another way that David said it. He said, I sought the Lord, in Psalm 34, 4, and he answered me, and he delivered me from all my fears. So what does that mean? If I start to seek the Lord, I start to realize that my perspective begins to change, right? My perspective shifts from the natural to the eternal, and I receive courage to overcome my fears. Listen, he said he delivered me from all my fears. He didn't say he took away all my fears, like he removed them. He was probably still fearful. But what did, what did the perspective change do for him? It gave him the courage to be delivered from his fears, like literally overcome them. So listen, maybe God won't take away your fear, right? But he'll deliver you from your fears by giving you the courage to overcome them, by fixing your attention on who he says that you are in him. So to finish my story that I started earlier, um, like I had had enough of being paralyzed by fear. I was tired. I was stressed. I was like, man, I can't keep living this way. Like my life is literally like beginning to feel miserable. And not because of anything anybody's doing, but it's because of like where I'm living. And my wife started to feel some things. I started to feel some things. And we just said, listen, I think we need to seek God. Like we need to pray together. We need to fast and so we took some time, and this is literally like, I know the scripture says, like, don't, when you're fasting, don't tell anybody. This was a long time ago. Like, I've never fasted more than like a day in my life. I fasted for seven days straight. Like, just water. I'll never do it again. <laughs> it was terrible. But when I was determined to seek the Lord, what David says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me. And he delivered me from all my fears. Like, I literally said, God, I just, I need your courage. I need your courage. And so I sought the Lord. I fasted because I, was, <laughs> I needed to be sure that God was really telling me this. And maybe sometimes some of you guys are fearful. Like, what if I, what if I can't really hear God's voice? Like, what if I heard him wrong, right? That's a, that's a huge fear, isn't it? And so seeking the Lord gives you the right perspective and go like, man, I, he confirmed it in me. He confirmed it in my wife. So this is what I literally did. I literally wrote like a three-page essay. And I was like, I'm not going in there and just be paralyzed again. I'm going to write all this stuff down. And I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote. And I set up a meeting with pastor and his wife. And I sat down in that office. 
my wife was there, and I'm like shaking, right? Because there's no reason for me to like to go. I just felt the overwhelming sense of God, the Holy Spirit, tell me to leave. And I was terrified. But I went in there, and with God's courage, I read that letter. I told them that I loved them, that I loved serving there. 15 years of just, that's where I learned ministry. That's where I learned um, how to pray, how to seek God. The first time I ever led worship there, and worship was there, it was really emotional for me. And then they asked me, so where are you going? And I had to say, I don't know. I feel like God's telling me that he was going to show me. What are you going to do about, about money? I don't know. I feel like God, God told me he was going to show me, oh, Lord. And like, I'm saying these things out loud. I'm like, man, this is crazy. But after that meeting, I felt the most peace that I ever felt in my life. Like I knew, like God granted me that peace and I knew that's what he wanted me to do. And then a couple of months, and I, I want to say like the next day, like I got a job offer from somewhere, but like I didn't. Two months went by, y'all. Two months. And I still have nowhere to go. So I literally had to go back to them and be like, hey, listen, I feel like God still talked to me. But like, can you like contract with me like month to month, you know, type of thing. <laughs> I still have bills to pay. And they were generous and nice and loving and kind. And they were like, yeah, I mean, we, we trust that that's what God spoke over your life. And so we're going to support you when you find your next, like, we'll bless you. And so I was there like month to month, just going like, I was trying to race up the team. I got a chance to pour into them a little bit, right? Try, try to leave things a little bit better than, than when, I, when I was there. Um, and it was a good, a good process for me to like, really like say bye to this place that I have known and loved for a long time. And six months after that, I found a job offering, a, a job um, option for 12 Stone. And I wasn't looking to work at 12 Stone. I wasn't looking to come here and be part of the staff, but like God literally like, outdid himself in many, many different ways, a different story for a different time. But literally the Holy Spirit just aligned everything. And when I read that job like description, I was like, this is, this is for me. This is for me. So I applied. Next day I get a call. I get into the interview process. Three months later, I'm a worship pastor at the Hamilton Mill campus. And it was like, I, I could not believe that that's where God took me. Like I, I had come to C12 when it was Water's Edge, way back in the day. I won't tell you how old I am. <laughs> way back in the day. Um, like right out of high school, I came, sat back there in some chair. And that's the last time I went to 12 Stone. And God brought me here. And listen, oh my gosh, I'm going to get emotional. But, whoo, I wasn't expecting this, right? Nobody ever does. So many things happened in my life and in my my family's life, like I mentioned to you, like my dad passing away, that I saw the hand of God working through the leaders, the pastors, the staff, the community that got placed around me in 12 Stone that were specifically what I needed for that season. God knew where I needed to be. And my wife and I say it all the time, this place has been like the most healing place I've ever encountered. Like I had stuff to work through. And God used 12 Stone to do it. Not because, like, glory to 12 Stone, glory to Jesus, but, like, man, he gave me the courage to overcome that fear. I chose to trust in him. And when I stepped out, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I stepped out. And God was faithful. Like, I don't know why I was surprised, but God was faithful. Listen, this is a word for somebody here today. Like, if you step out in faith and you choose 
to trust God, look at his perspective. Listen, I promise you, you are going to see God's faithfulness in your life come through for you. Do you believe that? Come on. So listen, sometimes overcoming fear is as simple as choosing to trust God. And like I said earlier, it's not a cop-out answer, but it's also an answer you can't overlook. You know? I told you. You might come in here and say, I've heard that before. Why don't you go ahead and stand up and the band can come up. You might say, man, I've heard that before. I've heard somebody telling me, just, just trust God. But have you ever, like, actively participated? In this practice of choosing to rehearse God's truth. The fact that he's on the throne, he created you, he's given you a purpose, he's given you a calling, your life is in his hands. What can mortal men do to you? What are you so afraid of? I think it's time for a lot of you guys to break out of that shell of fear and take some active steps towards the thing God wants you to do. Like what is that thing you're not trusting God with? You say, Lord, I need, I need the courage. I need the courage to overcome this, right? Like, is it in your relationships? Is it in your, in your finances? Is it in your calling? Like, what is it? Maybe you've made some choices based out of fear. Maybe you're in a, in a career that you're not supposed to be in or you know you're not supposed to be in, but it's a safe, it's a safe bet. I'm sorry if I'm poking some wounds around here. I didn't mean to do that. But man, if God gave you dreams, will he not be faithful to provide for you? Like if God gave you a calling, and if you choose to step out in faith and say, I'm going to go after this calling with everything that I am, will he not be faithful to fulfill his will in your life? Of course he'll be faithful. Do you have to overcome some fears? Yeah, you do. You have to face them? Yeah, you do. But guess what? You have the God of the universe on your side. And you can fix your attention on your problems or you can fix your focus on the eternity of Jesus Christ, right? And what his will is for your life. So we're gonna do that right now. I wanna take some time and if you, right there where you are, just kinda close your eyes with me. And I believe God's already speaking to some of you. God's stirring some things in, in, your, in your heart. We're gonna rehearse the truth of God. We're gonna rehearse the truth of God who God is. We're going to sing a song that talks about that. We sang it earlier today. God, nothing is better than you. Lord, would you allow me just to not, not to sing this, but to activate my faith. And when I sing it, I believe it. I'm choosing to rehearse the truth of who you are and what you do. Even if the worst happened, God, you can turn any situation for your glory. You're the God of revival. You're the God of resurrection. God, you're the God of wonders. There's nothing too hard for you. Nothing is impossible for you, God. So, God, would you, would you help me break out of my fear as I rehearse the truth of who you are? So we're going to take about a minute, okay? If you want to sit down if you want to lift your hands, if you want to get on your knees, before the song starts, we're just going to chill for a little bit. 
and I want you to start rehearsing truths about God. Choose to shift your focus on who he is. Come on, right now. Go ahead and close your eyes and just begin in your mind. Maybe under your breath, maybe whisper it. Go ahead and find that place. God, I choose to trust you. You're the king. You're the sovereign king. You hold my life in your hands. I can trust you. I can trust you to fulfill your plans for my life, Lord. Would you help me trust you? So let's spend this moment right here and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Thank you for listening to the C12 podcast today. Take some time to reflect on what your fears are telling you. And remember what Yona said, your fears tell you what you value a lot and also where you need to trust God more. If you would like to learn more about College of 12, so make sure to give us a follow on Instagram at C12Stone. And of course, I hope to see you next week at our Lawrenceville campus at 730. Definitely hope to see you there. Have a great week.